G'day folks and welcome to another episode of the Club Rugby Collective brought to you by All Sports Physiotherapy. Joining me on today's podcast, I've got my usual partner in crime, Jay Ball Staunton. Jay, how are we, mate? Living the dream, saucy boy. We're a couple rounds in um, of uh, Queensland Premier Rugby and it's absolutely heaving. So yeah, I'm starting to feel a bit more relevant and having good times on the weekends now. So it's absolutely fantastic, mate. Now, mate, obviously, you and I were both at East on the weekend for that match of the round between East and GPS. It was an absolute barn burner, as you would say. It was a cracking clash between our two (laughs) top-of-the-table sides. But before we get to that match of the round, let's have a look at the other results from the weekend. So, in our first match, we had Brothers versus Bond. The Brethren getting up here 46-29. Now, I know that we said last week that this was likely going to be a clash where Bond... Um, really could test brothers, but also it was a case of them sort of coming up against one of the last year's top four for the first time. And obviously the brethren did the job at Crosby Park. Yeah, they did it pretty handsomely as well. They they were in control for pretty much all of that match. The Bond didn't necessarily play a bad game, um, but brothers brothers were were classy. They started to show their worth of what they can do. I think um, some of their some of their more experienced campaigners started to really show their fangs. You know, Stixie had a great game. Rowan Cyfloy had his best game in a very long time. And I think Brad Kappa really stood up as well. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's what it was. They finally started to click a little bit. They're still a little bit rusty. And I don't think they're sort of the caliber of, you know, uh, East or Jeeps at the moment. But they showed that, as we've been saying, you know, that they look like they should be... Uh, you know, challenging for finals at the back end of this season. Mate, I was impressed with a couple of their young guns. Hudson Crichton, mate, obviously the younger brother of Lawson. He was on fire, scored a double both times. Um, you know, he obviously spotted a hole in defence, went through, but his pace after he actually broke the line was ridiculous. Yeah. And then the young fella... Nathan, isn't it? I, didn't, I didn't think he was going to be that quick, but he just runs that line and just went straight through. He was awesome. Yeah, I've had a few people say that where he just pinned his ears back and went. So um, he's obviously been someone coming through that Rurig EDP system that we've had an eye on in Colts mm. for the last few years. So uh, partnered Josh Fluke in the centres for the in the finals last year, brothers. Um, and then the other fellow, Nathan Carroll, on the wing, that was his uh, starting debut. He came off the pen- bench against GPS. That was his first crack at prem grade. And his footwork out wide for that try. Talk about breaking ankles. Yeah, absolutely stitched up Rian Stowers, who himself is very fleet-footed. So no mean feat there. But that that's a testament to that uh, Rory uh, uh, elite development program that they have got there. You know, it's been about five years now where they've set up a program to legitimately, you know, streamline a pathway for players to come from school through the Colts program into grades and into that Premier Grade and Beyond system. And, you know, they've got players like that that, you know, can step up into premier grade whilst still teenagers and actually, you know, go above and beyond. So testament to them. But yeah, that they're, they're two plays you really got to keep an eye on. That Nathan Carroll bloke, mate, he could step you in a phone box. Mate, bloody hell. That was some sensational footwork. So good on the young buck. But <laughs> yeah. um, look, I think overall, mate, um, you know, it was a good opportunity for Bond to actually 
um, test themselves against, um, I suppose, a more highly regarded team um, from the 2019 season. And I think they'll be better for that, their first away game. I don't think they're done and dusted yet. And obviously for brothers, mate, I think what we can probably see is that they're probably going to be a bit of a different beast at home this year, mate. They obviously get a lot of support there with the butchery and all that sort of stuff um, getting behind them. But we'll throw forward, mate, to the next clash. Sunnybank versus UQ. Students only got up here by two points, 26-24, and it was at the death. I don't think either of us expected this to play out how it, how it did. No, no, not at all. I was uh, commentating with Dallin Murphy and Alicia Quirk, and obviously we know Quirk is... Uh, brother-in-law is Tom Lucas, so she uh, she was right across the scores throughout the day, and you know we were all gobsmacked that at one stage it was 24 points played five. And having watched the game, Sunnybank were well deserving of that lead. They were really taking it to them, and um, I think I've said it before, they just don't have that depth. But you can see they can start to, you know, Liam McNamara has been having to get hooked early because of his knee. Neil McNamara, they would bring him off on occasion. You know, once they, they're they starting 15, their starting 15 is really good. Like, their starting 15 has game breakers, game managers. They've got fantastic set piece when they've got their starting 15 on. But I just don't think they had the depth. And, you know, a credit to UQ, they, they are a class outfit that they could you know, they're not on their day for the majority of that match, but they can outlast the extent that they can get to that 78-minute mark and Kai Oates can step up and drill one from the sideline in that wind to come away with the W. But, um, yeah, not not very convincing from UQ, to be honest. Well, mate, as you mentioned there, like, Sunnybank obviously had a commanding win. It wasn't until the 61st minute that Kai Oates scored and it sort of sparked their comeback, so... Oates scored, then TJ Cassini, and then obviously Con had to score in the 80th minute to to seal it. And if it wasn't for Kais, as we said, slotting that goal from out wide, mate, it could have been a very different result. And that would have been a massive scalp for Sunnybank to get. But I think, mate, heading into the season, I think a lot of clubs probably would have been looking at Sunnybank as, you know, we're guaranteed to win there. That's not the case now. You can't take them lightly. You definitely can't take them more slightly either. Uh, I think this is definitely a, a comp that's wide open at the moment. And we'll throw forward to Norse, mate. Um, finally, on the score sheet, mate, the return of Nick Chapman. He's, uh, he's, he's sparking an Eagles revival. And unfortunately, it was your doggies that fell victim, mate, 36-22. Yeah, I called it, mate. I said the doggies are going to go down to the uh, the Eagles out there, Hugh Courtney. And um, look, it was a... It was a... It was a scrappy game of footy. I think both sides were having a red-hot crack. I think uh, uh, the doggies there, they seem to lack confidence, I, I, I believe. They tend to, you know, if it isn't going their way, like I've got to admit there were a few times where you know, they had rolling malls and they collapsed and they just put their head down because it didn't work out or they dropped the ball or they fumble or Norts get a break and they don't have that enthusiasm to get back. It seems like, yeah, it, it seems like when the chips are down, they can't really spark themselves to get in there. Like they let in a lot of points. They can score a lot of points, but they, they let in far too many. Um, mm-hmm. not, not taking away from Norts at all. They were absolutely fantastic. The fact that they could stay in that match and they could just throw everything at the doggies and just outlast them to get those two final tries. But mate, Nick Chapman is an absolute freak. He is such a gun. 
And I think John Rubin was really good as well on the weekend. So, uh, yeah, look, they, they've got all the makings to uh, take a few scalps this season. Well, mate, uh, I dare say Vookie was very happy to have his link man back in the middle, mate, because he just got to benefit uh, with a brace of tries himself. But, mate, the other thing there as well for your doggies. Now, obviously, as we mentioned, the wind, a major factor this last weekend. Um, for those who are maybe listening from outside of Queensland, um, this time of year we get all this winds coming in from the west and they absolutely howl. And for anyone that's ever lived up on Toowoomba or had a good visit there, you know they cop the real brunt of it, but we still get it here in Brizzy. And uh, <laughs> for four tries, Carter Gordon only slotted the one conversion, mate, and that's obviously um, allowed Norse just to keep applying that scoreboard pressure um, throughout the match. Yeah, look, that's uh, look. It was a tough day for everyone. You know, the line-out throwing from both sides was a bit scrappy, obviously, as a result of the win. That's why, going back to that previous game, that kick that Kai Oates nailed was so impressive because that wind was absolutely horrific. I actually played at North earlier that morning um, for third grade, and it was shockingly bad. It's so dry. It actually. You know, it's the struggle to breathe. It was that bad. You can't hear. Like, it was absolutely howling. So, yeah, look, that 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 was essentially what happened, you know. They tried to stay in it. But, you know, when you drop down six, seven, eight additional points, you know, it allows that side, when it's such a close battle, to then kick away with it at the end. Very true, mate. Well... There's one player in the competition who kicking didn't prove to be a difficulty for in the wind. as Eli Pills, mate, for the Tigers. Now, as we mentioned, this top-of-the-table clash, mate, he was a perler. Um, East getting up 35-29. But Pillsy missed just one conversion out of four and slotted three penalties, um, scoring a try himself to um, amass 20 points on his own. So he had an absolutely cracking match. But, mate, you were commentating this one. Um, what did you make of um, this top-of-the-table clash? Uh, what I made from it is that East are well and truly the favourites. They've knocked off both UQ and Jeeps in the last two weeks. Uh, both score lines were within seven points, but both games, uh, both UQ and Jeeps scored in the final minute to draw that lead in. So they should have been two double-digit wins over the two most recent premiers. Um, and East, so East were down at the half, but only down by five or seven or whatever it may be. And we were saying in the commentary that, you know, is that league going to be enough? Because that win, I reckon, was a 14 or 20 point win. And Jeeps didn't utilise it. They, they wanted to play their brand of footy, but they weren't capitalising on a 35 kilometre an hour win. They weren't making it rain. You know, the, the win was behind the side who had the sun at their back. So in that, that second half, you could see the edict would have come out of Mudge, the, uh, the East coach. Let's put it to the air. Let's pin them in their corner and make them run looking into the sun. And literally off the first kickoff, they field it, put it up, put it up, put it up, put it up. And all that was happening is they were just turning Jeeps around and they were just making them force these errors or force their own way out at their own 22. And as a result, they put on 25, 30-odd points in that second half. And it was an absolute clinic. I think, um, you know, the real difference for mine, because both sides, both sides, every 
every player on the field is having a red hot crack and they show they're by far the two best teams in the competition. But I would say, I don't know whether it's a coaching thing or a, or a leadership captaincy tactic thing, but I think G, uh, East, um, their tactics on the day were better. They utilised that win. They worked it uh, into their favour. And I don't think Jeeps were pragmatic enough in that first half to be able to capitalise on it. Well, I think what Ellie wanted to try to do is run his big ball runners through the middle of, um, of East and probably target... Jack Frampton's channel a bit, and we saw Big Ratu. Which is all well and good. Which is all well and good when you've got when you don't have a twenty point wind behind yeah. your back. That that wind can literal was just devastating to any fullback trying to catch that pill. Mm. Right, that, that that is a wind that you can utilise to your advantage. And I understand that you do have those big forwards, and you do do want to make Jack Frampton make his tackles, but when they've got a back row that they've got and they can get those pilfers in deep inside their own 22 in Moen, Milosevic and Gunn, and you've got an opportunity to use this win to absolutely wreak havoc and you don't use it, I think that was, uh, I think that was a missed opportunity by them. No, fair call. Well, I think, mate, for me, I think the big difference was the defensive effort from East in the second half. Everyone's going to look at that try that mm-hmm. Ratu Vio scored off a quick tap in the 80th minute and think that's what the match was like. But... For 39 of those minutes in the second half, they were just all walloping blokes, left, right and centre. And, you know, there's one in particular, you know, I've got photos of this sequence, the Mitch Schneider absolutely bending Abele backwards onto his back. And I don't think that Abele, Ratu, some of their other big ball runners have been hit that hard. And I think it took them by surprise because mm. they just weren't getting through that east defence. There was some times there where the Tigers' defence was actually moving up the field and putting Jeeps back into their own yep. territory, which yeah. I don't think we see that often within Prem Rugby. And I think that set the tone, no. plus the front row going to work on the Jeeps pack, which yep. we just don't see. No, no, the east front row absolutely decimated that Jeeps forward pack. And, um, yeah, it was interesting because Jeeps got most of their purchase. Typically, they they won a premiership two years ago without the ball pretty much going past the 12 in Alfonso Horomia. Um, so, like, that's a tactic that works on occasion. But, you know, on the weekend, they got all their purchase through Marlon and Canelio and stuff like that on those outside fringes because, yeah, yeah as you said, that defence in the middle was absolutely brutal from the Tigers. No, mate, it was good to see. And I think it's worth mentioning as well. It was great to see the two clubs come together at the start of the match and um, pause for a moment of silence in memory of uh, our former East club manager, Julie Lords, who unfortunately passed away at the start of the year. So that was our first home game at Tigerland since. And um, every team in every grey wore black armbands for Julie. And just a great little um, thank you to, you know, a true stalwart of our club who gave a lot of time and put in a lot of effort um, off the field. So that was a special one there. And obviously the family uh, were there to, to experience that as well. So a little special moment there at the start of the match. Yeah, most definitely, mate. It, you could see it meant a lot to everybody there as well. The uh, the ground announcer was actually standing right next to us and you could see it was... Uh, it, she meant a lot to her as well. And you could see everybody in the clubhouse as well was remembering Julie fondly. I mean, as you said, she was a massive part of that club. The whole Laws family is, you know, they are tigers for life. So it was, a, it was an amazing thing to be able to see everybody uh, 
you know, show their respects for, uh, for yeah, Julie Laws out there that day. It was fantastic. Very true. Good spirit of club rugby. Um, well, we'll throw forward, mate. We've got round five up ahead, and we'll kick things off with the Tigers once again. They're going down the M1 to take on Bond. So this will obviously be Bond back at home at the Canal. Um, you know, after a couple of big weeks, it'll be interesting to see how the Tigers bounce back in this clash. They definitely can't take Bond lightly. Uh, I think they're going to smash Bond, to be honest, unfortunately. Um, yeah, look, Bond are, Bond are a good outfit, and they're always very good at home. But, mate, I like, I, I think this is one of the most complete premier-grade sides I've seen in a decade. When you look at the, the level of talent, like... Their front row all have potential to go on to higher honours and actually have their second row as a young, but they've got the same. They've got a Wallaby captain. They've got a Reds flanker. They've got another professional athlete, Tom Milosevic. Like, they've got Jack Frampton, who I think could easily be playing Aussie sevens if he committed to it. You've got Aiden Toa. Like, that, that side is just ridiculous. And, like, as good as Bond are, especially down at the coast... Um, I, I just can't, I can't see any other side outside of Jeeps and potentially UQ really doing this in this season, unfortunately for all the other sides. Mate, we'll be interested to see how things progress over the coming weeks. It's one thing to, to start the season well, but you've got to maintain it. So we shall wait and see. Um, mate, we've got the Gallopers going back to Yoku Road. They'll be hosting uh, Sunnybank now. We should mention that in this clash, the guys are going to be playing in charity jersey with um, support of, of two charities there with Pancare. And I know that you can touch on the story behind that one and then for um, Hodgkinson Lymphoma Foundation as well, I believe. Now, that's to do with... Um, a great man at East, Notto, not East, sorry, GPS, Notto, uh, who was part of their reserve grade side last year that won. And then unfortunately after the final series, he was he was diagnosed with leukaemia and spent um, a fair chunk of time um, dealing with that at the back end of last year and sort of managed to just sort of come out of uh, treatment before COVID all hit. So he's currently managing their third grade side uh, at the moment, uh, helping out his good mate, Ollie McCall as their coach, but um, be a great chance to, to celebrate a few Jeeps legends there. But Jay, you can touch on the importance of um, Pancare, mate. Yeah. So Pancare is, uh, is a, a foundation set up in support of those um, battling pancreatic cancer. It's got one of the lowest survival rates of any cancer around. I think it might be even 5% upon um, diagnosis pass away within five years. And uh, yeah, a good, a good friend of mine, actually, the, uh, uh, the great man himself, Julia Jeffress, big Julesy, um, was diagnosed a few years ago with uh, uh, pancreatic cancer. And he, he is the Jeffress family in, in total. All of them are absolute Jeeps diehards and uh, Jules and Jeffress in particular. He's one of the nicest blokes you ever meet, a gentle giant, an absolute legend. And uh, he's been doing it tough, but he's always so bloody chipper, always. Like, he's going through absolute hell and he's always so lovely and it makes me feel bad because I'm like, mate, do you ever just have a time off at all, Jules? Mate, you can't be this chipper all the bloody time. But, mate, it, it's it's a great initiative and he's... um. He's really spearheaded a lot of the uh, fundraising and the awareness for uh, pancreatic cancer and pancare as a whole. So, 
it's going to be great to to have everybody out there during their charity round. I think they're also still raising money for the um, South East uh, Queensland chapter of the Ronald McDonald House, as they usually do as well. So all very good say. charities, all, all bloody good corners. Yeah. Mm. So they've got that affiliation with the Ronald McDonald House as well as, um, you know, Pancare and Co. So, yeah, look, it's it's... It's all a bloody good cause. And if anybody does, you know, charity rounds and club days, <laughs> it's jeeps. They are the absolute um, kings at it. Herbie, mate, he can eat a sell a raffle ticket and get in some commercial deals. But yeah, just was, I was just double checking their, <laughs> um, their socials. So, um, yep, yeah, so Lymphoma Australia, they're supporting Pancare, as we obviously discussed, and the Ronald McDonald House. So the jerseys are going to be up for auction. Um, there's also going to be a raffle on the day. Um, so great chance for to raise some money for some great charities out at Yoku, but obviously they're taking on Sunnybank. Um, Jade, you reckon the Dragons can back up and put in the same level of performance, mate? Uh, no, nah, I think they're going to get smashed. Fair assessment, mate. But uh, I, re- <laughs> I actually reckon this one will go down to the wire. I think this will be close, mate. It'll, I think it will be I think an interesting it, match. It's going to be stinging after that loss. And I think the Jeeps forward pack is going to give the Sunnybank Dragons nightmares. Right. We will see how that one plays out. Our mate Souths, they're back in the mixer, mate, this week, um, taking on UQ over at St. Lucia. Um, mate, UQ were lucky last week, and they're going to have a South side full of youngins that have had two weeks to, to mull over that one-point loss to Sunnybank. They're going to be hungry to, to come out and try to take it to the reigning premiers. Yeah, is that Chitty Wood, is it? No, no, at St. Lucia. At St. Lucia. Um, yeah, look, two sides that I think um, play very much the same brand of footy, you know, that high tempo, high energy, really run you off the park type stuff. Uh, if there's, um, you know, two issues that both sides have probably had this season, it has been their, set, their scrum. Um, but, you know, it's... I think South on their day, they could beat anyone in the competition with that, you know, exuberance and that young enthusiasm that they do have. But uh, I, I can't see them beating UQ. UQ like, Hino and Elton aren't going to let them go down to South at home in a truncated season. But if ever there was going to be, you know, a, a young, inexperienced South side that's going to knock off UQ at home, it's going to be this season because anything can friggin' happen, right? But, um, but yeah, I think, for mine, I think UQ need to, go, need to start playing Scott Gale at halfback, um, bring Brad Twydale in and bring TJ Cassini back into inside centre. They don't have a big forward pack. They don't have real big line benders or meter eaters. Um, and when you're trying to play high-tempo footy, you need someone who can bend the line. And if it's going to be anyone, it's the Coke machine with legs. It is TJ Cassini. Mate, that's a good shout. So it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out over at St. Lucia. Now, our match of the round for this week, we're going to your home territory, mate. We're at the kennel. Brother uh, and the doggies are hosting brothers. Um, how do you see this one playing out, mate? I'm not 100% sure um, where Wes will sit with this one. Yeah, I think the forwards battle is going to be awesome. Um, I think the doggies have one of the best uh, scrums and back rows in the competition. Well, at least damaging back rows. Um, 
So I think if the doggies are going to get up, they're going to have to assert their dominance in the forward pack, in particular scrum time and really eke out some penalties there. The brothers forward pack did better on the weekend against Bond. But I know for a fact that I really, I, I think, you know, the, the front row in particular from the doggies is, you know, one of the best going around. Um, so, yeah, but that said, you know, their attack is pretty toothless. They, um, you know, they can score points, but they don't have ball playing centres. So when they're back three, their back three are all lightning. They're all fantastic, but they don't have someone they don't have a Zachy Henry who was that ball playing twelve there last year who can throw that cutout, you know, flat at the line to start to free those wingers up. So, you know, their forward pack can set as many as good a platform as they like. But if they don't capitalise, it could be a tough day out. So yeah, look, I think brothers need to brothers need to take their opportunities when given to them in their back line, which they well and truly do. Um and for the doggies to win, they need a really really Tighten the screws in, um, in the forwards. So look, to be honest, I, I I haven't been too convinced with West, and brothers were better on the weekend. So yeah, look, you probably have to give it to brothers. But you know, I, at their home track, the doggies do step up. Yeah, mate. I reckon this will be an interesting one to see how it plays out. I think mm. two sides that really need to sort of kick into gear, and probably West more so than brothers, but. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure how to play out on this one, but it will be an interesting one because obviously we've got former brothers coach, Carl Marshall. He was the head coach when they won in 2016 at the Doggies now and a few former mm. Bulldogs in uh, the likes of Liam Usher, Jerry Skelton, who've gone over to the Bulldogs going up against their old club for the first time. Yeah, look, that's that's. I mean, that's the intrigue. That's all the, uh, you know, the behind-the-scenes stuff that, um, is really interesting, right? But on top of that as well is the fact that whatever side loses this weekend potentially could be saying bye-bye to a final spot. You know, if brothers lose, you know, when points are, you know, at a premium this season, could that really sting them hard when they've got other sides nipping at their heels? Possibly. And if the doggies lose, that means they've lost their first well, they've lost their three or four after the COVID break. In particular, they've lost their first three that are played for points. So yeah. that's that's a scary thought for the doggies with so much promise. But yeah, like, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really, really tricky one to pick. But well, mate, yeah, the other thing I, is, like, brothers have still got UQ East and Jeep. Oh, no, they played Jeeps. But they've still got a couple of big games ahead. So you're right. They can't really, can't really afford to drop. Well, the doggies can't afford to drop anything. They've that. Who have they played? They had to buy, and then they've played North. So if they go, if they go the first three or four rounds without picking up any points, granted they don't have have to buy to contend in the back end of the season. But that's zero and two, mate. Right? That's not good. No. Well, interesting weekend of rugby ahead, mate. But uh, I believe it's a Mexican night out at the kennel this week, mate. Are you going to be rocking a sombrero? Oh, is it really? <laughs> mate, I'm not up to date with that sort of stuff on a new source. Mate, I'm 32 next month. I'm 32 in about four weeks' time, man. So I don't do that sort of stuff. I'll leave that to the young pups. Come on, mate. You've just joined Pig Athletic Club for your job, mate. You've got to get into some weird <laughs> 
No, no, I, uh, I'm the operations manager, mate. I take, I make sure that they don't go to prison or, you know, they don't do anything too foul. Um, that's, uh, that's Sione and stuff and Johnny Brown and Tino. They take care of that stuff. So maybe they'll be there. I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see, brother. Well, mate, I've double-checked social, mate. It's Mexican night, August 29th. I want to see some, something up in the commentary box. Okay, okay. I'll, uh, I'll bust something out for you, mate. Maybe a little <laughs> poncho number. Yeah, hell yeah, man. Maybe I will rock a poncho. That's actually sick. Nice. All right, Jay. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of yet another podcast, mate. But uh, Prem Rugby, she's up and running. We're seeing some great footy, mate. It's good to have it uh, back in full swing and looking forward to yet another great weekend ahead. Oh, 100%, mate. Look, we've said over the last few years it doesn't get any better than this, but it seems to be getting better and better and better. So, look, it's only a short season, but it seems to be absolutely fantastic. And if we can keep this standard of footy going, mate, finals time at the back end of this year is going to be absolutely red hot. Very true, mate. Very true. All right, mate. Well, you've got to get up to footy training, so we'll leave you be, mate, and we will catch you on the weekend. Fantastic, mate. I love you.